Welcome, everyone, to the AI in Business podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Bacalpa Nupain, Head of Artificial Intelligence and Natural Language Processing at Takeda. Bacalpa joins us on the program to discuss how siloed data and trust in data science processes are among the biggest challenges facing life sciences leaders and the promise of new use cases and generative AI tools in confronting those challenges. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Bacalpa, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. Hey, Matt. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for having me here today. I think what's really, really valuable about having someone in your position on the show is we've talked to a lot of healthcare leaders and the problems in the healthcare space. And we've, we've talked about these subjects a lot. And it's always kind of from the caretaker perspective or even the administrative perspective. We know these challenges look completely different from the data perspective. So to have someone who's head of AI and NLP at, at Takeda with us today is a real treat. In that case, what do you see as the big challenges currently in life sciences right now? And how do they look from a data perspective? A great question, Matt, and I get asked this question all the time, right? At nearly every conference I present to researchers, academia, practitioners, including vendors, want to know challenges, and of course, the opportunities come with it. Largely from data and AI perspective, we got to know that life science is a data-rich vertical, and there's so much opportunities and challenges. I guess to answer your question today, I do see the challenges in data science at multiple layers, right? And let me unpack that for you from the technical layer and from the business layers, which include the operational aspect of it. Before I share challenges though, the obvious issues of needing robust data foundations, infrastructure elements, data governance and quality, data audit, and the challenges that do come up with uh, reproducibility, you know, whether we can reproduce AI and models and all of that and scaling, I guess for the conversation today, you know, I'm going to stay focused on my learnings and my observations, you know, but talk specifically on the ground challenges that I have seen at pharma or broader life sciences per se. Is that all right with you? Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. But even if we can explore that that technical side maybe first, right. especially from there's a deluge of data right now in, in healthcare. There's more coming with the Internet of Things, wearable tech. What's the state of play now versus what it might be as those influences come into play? Right. I guess that will also uh, tag along the point I was going to make. And that's precisely the first and foremost challenges, right? Other than the data foundations and data engineering, data quality, et cetera, all those things, infrastructure elements, the complexity of the data itself and the diversity of the data at general healthcare sector is one of the challenges that that is a barrier, right, to enable that AI ambitions. And if you look at scientific drug discovery and all sorts of things, it becomes even more complex. The biggest challenge to me, and I guess that I've seen across the company, how do we enable the data from diverse sources and make it available for downstream data science and analytics activities, right? Now, the key phrase here is enable. What does this mean to any mid, mid to large organization like ours, right? That's how I wanted to focus the conversation on, which brings to your point, how do we bring together 
data from diverse sources in one place to do the data science activities. And I guess all of us are pretty aware one of the biggest challenges uh, the industry is facing today is having disconnected data. In life sciences, though, problem goes further in terms of data acquisition and data aggregation. But then there are also challenges around post activities. You know, you name it when it comes to running analysis, finding correlation on data, developing data products and all of that. Right. So that makes the field itself a bit more challenging than, you know, than just regular data science. Does that make sense? Oh yes, that no, ab- absolutely. It just it and it, it really takes the conversation away from I think elsewhere, financial services, even even big tech. Yeah. You know, c- centralization means something so much more literal and physical. I need it in a in a center of excellence. I need the servers here, but in healthcare, it's going to be everywhere anyway with how the regulations work with how HIPAA works and I think you were touching upon this in your last answer but just the interoperability of bespoke healthcare you know IT systems from organization to organization there's a lot there especially even even from you know, looking at there's the healthcare space and then life sciences is getting all the more closer and I'm, I know we'll get into this just in terms of drug discovery and and clinical trials becoming so reliable that they're kind of seen as a, as an alternative form of care but just in in that you know that healthcare data in and of itself is so diverse by nature, by regulation, and that impedes trust, that presents a lot of challenges in terms of transparency, I think goes a a long way. But just in terms of what you were saying before, you know, about what does how to enable mean? And I really, really appreciate that because that's one of those buzzwords, right? Everybody talks about enabling. What does that mean? And I think that has to start from a place of, you know, how are we using the technology not to get around HIPAA, not to get around the EHR and the EMR data challenges, but how do we bring this data to life? And how do we get it to talk to other forms of data? And I'm sure you'll put a much better (laughs) point on this than I can. I'm even sounding a little bit more buzzwordy. (laughs) No, I guess that's a great point, Matt. You you mentioned the challenges around, you know, life sciences and healthcare, right, in terms of compliance activities. But let's look at the drug discovery in, in itself. Right. 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 So so the drug discovery in general is an insanely complicated activity. And it is important from the very beginning to spend some time understanding the data landscape. And even most important thing that we need to be going about is doing it the right way, that we are looking at the entire picture. Right. Not only clinical data, experimental data, patient data, lab data, but also the data that comes pre and post drug discovery, which includes things like FDA data, operational data, commercial data, social media data. And you would want to do it in such a way that it is not only for today, but as if it's going to stay in the future and beyond, right? So that's a bit of context on how diverse the data set gets in drug discovery, right? You have social media data, you have drug data, you have experimental data, you have FDA data, you have commercial data. That makes things even more confusing, right? And and interesting. And I did read it somewhere, and let me share with you in statistics. Today, approximately 30% of the global data is being generated by healthcare industry. And it is expected to grow, I would say, you know, at the compound annual growth rate of 36%. So why is this happening? You know, 
So before we focus on AI and data science, right, you got to understand how are we generating data and why is this happening? So that is probably because a single patient produces approximately 80 megabytes of medical data every year. Now, if you apply simple maths across millions of patients globally over the time, you are looking at data that's almost humanly impossible to think, somewhere petabytes and beyond for an individual person, right? That's where we, we, we are focusing today. It's the human data, it's the drug data, and there's a human body. It itself generates incredibly complex data at a protein level, at a gene level, right? So that's what I meant by how do we enable data sources coming, you know, data coming from different data sources, right? The source is you as a patient, as a human. The source is media. The source is technology systems. The, the source is organizational practices, right? So how do we get all that in one place? That's a big challenge. Absolutely. I, I know you also brought up trust uh, in the course of the last few answers. And I, I have to imagine this is very different, right. you know, in the drug discovery context, you know, trust between researchers, trust between, you know, medical professionals versus, you know, in the healthcare space or really, uh, you know, at the ground floor of patient experiences. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how that looks in terms of that spectrum from your view and the different challenges involved and how leaders should look at these challenges differently in order to produce the best results. I would not focus too much on the results at this point, right? But what I'm right. focused on is what are the input systems that we could fit into this uh, whole AI data engine so that we form a trustable results, trustable insights. Right Now, if you are in the business of bringing life-saving medicines to patients, healthcare, well-being, or any business trying to do something good to the community, it is our responsibility to become a trust-centered organization. And to me, as the head of AI and NLP in the company, it should be a part of my whole data science plan. And that's why I think my company is also you know, focused on doing at this point. But I get the confusion when you read LinkedIn and social media articles and Twitter and all of that, right? With the rise of technology systems, large language models, transformers, AI is a buzz term all over, right? I mean, it's very tempting to move fast and get influenced, right? I don't even know how many papers, white reports, uh, sales calls, vendor pitches, and how much signals and noise that we live in today, living in AI world. And it, it, it really begs for the question, should I be developing now, right, in AI? Should I be acting now? Or should I be asking for which purpose I'm doing this AI and data science work, right? So going back to the enable route, the bigger question is, how do we enable trust within our data science practices? Making sure we try as much as possible to mitigate issues around data biases, discriminations, ethics, right? And which is what I meant by trust. And I guess you 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 asked the question around trust within the life sciences community and trust outside of the community a little bit. That's right. That's a very fundamental construct in life sciences. And I can share a bit of my experience there. You got to know that life sciences companies like pharma, they move predominantly within the principle of basic sciences, biology chemistry, right? These folks, right? I mean, you can imagine that it is really hard to carry any of their work, right? Any of the pharma work without their contribution. 
and almost all sorts of activities that they do have some kind of a technology augmentation. And when we call technology augmentation, it's AI these days. But at the data level, the science team, which is again, biology and chemistry guys, they tend to think in terms of sample, right? Patient identifies proteins, genes, instruments. Whereas the tech team, the AI team tend to think in terms of large language models, creation of file systems, data size, access control list, efficiency, right? And one of the things that I always try to check in is which of these conversations I'm trying to, you know, is trying to happen when I sit in the meetings, right? And if you want to have both sciences conversation, bio and chemistry conversations at the same time as technology conversation, I have not found most effective ways of doing that just because there's inherent differences in the understanding of technology, you know, in life sciences. Now, my bigger question is how do I enable that trust? within the community, life sciences community, right? How do I get the scientists to work at the same level as the, as the technologists, you know, when it comes to data and AI? And I find it very interesting conversation to be in, honestly. That's where we got to focus, you know, the trust component. Let's on the trust within the life sciences community, within the stakeholder involved. That's a bigger part of the trust. Now, the second question, you know, I guess the second point is trust among the stakeholders, our external consumers, right? Imagine you are a you know biotech or a life science company that says we put the patient first. What patient are we talking about, right? The patient you are making a drug for, right? It could be one patient, multi-millions of patients. Now, as a data science practice, my users, my consumers, my patients are all patients everyone, right? It's not only the patients for today, but also the patients of the future. That's how I get to bring the data science in the equation. I'm doing prediction. I'm doing forecasting. I'm applying, taking the data as of today and applying modeling to, you know, to do things better and efficient in the future, right? The whole concept of, you know, life sciences and AI comes in there. We do not want to jump in right immediately in an AI and data science bandwagon as much as we understand that there's an importance of doing this. And that's that's in our mantra, that's in our philosophy, right? If you if you look at pharmaceuticals to one of these tech companies, let's say working on non-regulated data, not all, we do not think of becoming an overnight success, right? It takes 10 plus years, and I'm I'm very optimistic when I say 10 plus years, to come up with a drug and execute an innovative drug in the market. So as a pharma, as a life sciences, we have that patience, that resiliency and awareness to be careful and successful in what we do, right? And because that we're so much willing to invest in the right AI foundation, right? We tend to put trust at the core of everything, right? We don't want our data initiatives to divorce from GDPR and compliance, right? Data stewardships, being aware of discrimination system. That's that's at the heart of what we do today, right? Does that answer your question, Matt? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's a good lead into the next one, where across this pipeline from drug discovery to you know going to market to execution, you know, what are the ways that healthcare leaders are deploying data tools to address these problems? To build that trust, because I, it, it, especially in your last answer, it doesn't seem quite to me that 
all of those problems in trust are are what we call on the data side black box problems. It, it, it can be it, it, that's what it can end up for for the patient, but it's not. Yeah, it's not necessarily black box in the technical definition when you're getting to the life sciences community, the researchers, et cetera, as you were talking about. Right. You know, and don't get me wrong when I say that we, we are, you know, overly careful, right? I mean, this is where the data product management analogy comes in. There is a big movement in the data space uh, to manage data as a product rather than a service. And in many life sciences and pharmaceuticals, you know, there is governance-driven deployment when you are preparing to pilot and execute into production, right? So we have guardrails in place today. So for example, in large language models in Gen AI, in my company, we are allowing people to innovate and embrace this innovation, but all within the parameters of the guardrails, right? So we are there, right? We are just trying to be a bit more, you know, careful on how we move things upward. But if you want to talk specifically on some of the use cases, you know, there are things happening within the R&D life cycle and clinical side and other aspects, right? To give you an example, and I'm not just talking for my company, but just the industry at large. If you look at the drug, we call it target discovery. There are large language models trained on DNA sequences, right? Which today is already helping us to understand this molecular phenotype and diseases, right? You know, AlphaFold, you must have heard of that, right? From Google, DNA bird, there's a palm from Google again, right? Now, if you see across the industry, the rise of AI-based drug discovery companies like Rickerson and Insilico, they have examples, right? That it's already being implemented. And, and we are aware of things happening in this space. There's a whole movement going on. But if you look at the, the preclinical or the post-clinical aspects of the drug discovery, let's say, I've already started seeing things where my colleagues in other companies have used large language models to synthesize learnings from literature review, right? One of the, you know, probably, you know, use cases, looking at publications, looking at data from across non-clinical studies for, for, you know, for IND filing, processing tons of unstructured data using natural language processing. So that's preclinical or postclinical. But, but within the clinical trials itself, you're also looking at the concept of social media listening, patient listening to inform your clinical trial design and really enhance that patient recruitment strategy. So you cannot, it's really hard to get the patient for your clinical trial, right? We know that. And there are already models being developed around identifying patients who could benefit from your drug. Or there are models that will help you actually, you know, understand inclusion and exclusion criteria for a patient, right? And there's a whole component of biases and discrimination coming in. So these models are actually helping us identify patient, wipe up all the biases issues as much as we can, and really ensure that patient safety, right? Even within the clinical trials. So these are the activities. If you look at, you know, scan the industry, you could see it happening, right? Across the life sciences. But there are also operational use cases of large language models and AI and data science that you might, you know, are already aware happening around taking huge amount of SharePoint data, unstructured data, chatbot, Jira issues, ServiceNow tickets, lots of activities around how do we get better, faster, cheaper, efficient, productive, you know, and enhance user experience. That There's still that component. And those are 
precisely the use cases, the slow hanging fruits, I think companies have already started working on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're talking a lot about, you know, just as a huge function, you know, of the day to day for for researchers, it's about literature drinking. But, you know, you were counteracting that with with social media listening. I mean, especially generative AI and especially as we get into, you know, more advanced technologies, edge AI use cases, and these become way, way, way more advanced. It's easy to see. And I don't think it's that many years off. It's I, I'm definitely not a decade, but I think I think you're going to start to see, you know, generative AI models, not even bespoke, but really like big foundational models built on, you know, this thing is drinking all of the literature available online for, you know, this area of research and you can converse with it. It can be in a, you know, conversational format, but yeah, lots to pull from in your last answer, just in terms of, of, you know, where this could go and everything else as we take it into the future. Just, that's just about all the time that, that we've got on today's show. And I think that's a, that's a really good look at the use cases, just vis-a-vis the problems, at least for right now. But thanks so much for being with us, Picapo. We really, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. I'm glad to be here again. Thank you so much. You know, across industries, I think this episode is particularly of value. Something that you heard Bacalpa talk about, especially with the question in regards to getting life sciences teams and data sciences teams to understand each other, that black box issues are going to extend across multiple teams, across silos. And there needs to be a way of addressing that all the way from the customer, in this case, the patient, as Bacalpa talked about, all the way to the data science team. And it's going to befall the data science team in general in order to close those gaps. And I know Bacalpa talked a lot about the strategies that he employs and the ways that he looks at the entire pipeline in order to solve those challenges. So we really appreciate having him on the show. Stay tuned. We'll have another episode with Bacalpa in a couple of months from now where he explores a lot of these challenges in greater depth. And I'm really excited for everyone tuning into today's show to hear that as well. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast.